Welcome to Lipstick Attitude, hosted by Dr. Elizabeth King, psychotherapist, hypnotherapist, author, and motivational speaker, specializing in trauma and women's mental health, and Yvonne Haas, psychotherapist and coach specializing in relationships, couples, and women's issues. This show is your dose of inspiration, information, and laughter. In each episode, Dr. King and Yvonne bring you hacks, tips, and inspiring stories to help you live a successful life. So ladies, grab your lipstick. It's time to do this. The Lipstick Attitude Podcast is powered by Suits, Stilettos, and Lipstick Foundation, a nonprofit movement to empower women and children from all walks of life to be resilient, self-confident, and purposeful leaders through education, mentorship, and community outreach. To learn more, visit sslwomen.org. Please note that this show is intended to empower and educate. It is not meant to be utilized as a substitute for individual therapy. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Yvonne. How are you? I'm fabulous. It's Monday. How are you? I am fabulous as well. We had a wonderful weekend, and here we are recording our podcast again. Episode number 10. We have officially moved into double digits today. This is pretty cool. Wow. Very cool. And, and guess what? Our audience hasn't you know, sent us hate mail yet. They haven't abandoned us. They haven't, you know, reported us. It's awesome. It's awesome. Well, welcome everyone. This is another episode of the Lipstick Attitude with me, Dr. Elizabeth King, and my co-host Yvonne Haas, who's, who is uh, in her home, and I'm in my home. This COVID thing is quite interesting journey, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's awesome. On Monday mornings, I get to see you when we record. I, I know it's very cool. It's crazy, right? I used to think that I was kind of a homebody, and now I realize I'm not. You're not. You're, you're, <laughs> I'm all done with this. Are you missing your your ex escapades out in the wild? I am. I am. I'm missing. You know, sometimes I even miss traffic, but don't tell that to everybody else. Miss traffic. Okay, now you're getting a little crazy. I'm telling you, it is a little crazy. Like well, the other day, I got in my car, and I was like. When was the last time I was actually in this thing? Wow, yeah. I. It's funny that you say that because I typically don't drive anymore. Usually George is driving and, and George is my boyfriend if you guys don't know that. So uh, he normally drives and the other day I had to go pick up mail at our office and I was by myself so I was driving and I honestly had to take a deep breath because I didn't remember where everything was <laughs> in that long. I mean, in my car, I'm like, where, where do I, you know, fix my mirror? Where? I'm like, wow, that's pretty crazy. It's very crazy. You don't realize what you forget until you stop using it. I know, I know. I, I think I'm going to make a point to drive at least two or three times a week just so that I keep my skills up on driving. <laughs> Whoever knew that we would need that. We're I in get it. Florida. You know, people up north in New York, they don't usually drive. So, you know, they don't really know how to, you know, drive the cars that well. I see that with my daughter. Not that she doesn't know how to drive, but when she gets down to South Florida, she's always like, you know, I got to get my bearings again. I have to, you know, get used to this. Oh, yeah. You know, public transportation. But it seems like that's happening down here, too. It is. It is. Exactly. In fact, a lot of kids that I'm working with, I'm like, are you getting your driver's license? And they're like, for what? I've got time. Where am I going to go? 
I'm like, yeah. well, I guess that's true. Where are you going to go? That is sadly, but true. Mm -hmm. Sadly true. Anyways, today we have a very, very uh, serious topic, the topic of grief and loss. We're going to share with all of you the truth about grief and loss. So many of you are experiencing grief and loss, and we're going to give you some tips and some life hacks so that you can overcome grief and loss as fast as you can. Some of it, you have to just go through it. So we're going to talk about that. But before we do that, we always begin our show, at least when we're just the two of us. When we have guests, we, we spare them from this piece. <laughs> <laughs> I told them we should, make, we should make them do it too. We should make them do it too. It'll yeah. start their day off right too. Exactly. This was Yvonne's creation way back when she said why don't we do this I heard that you know this on a podcast and I want to do this so guess what Yvonne guess what she wants that's so right here we go. <laughs> boom. boom Yvonne what's new and great in your world what's new and great in my world is we are getting closer and closer to kicking off our mentor program um, we are those crazy people who have meetings on Sunday mornings and so we were working yesterday getting um you know, the whole layout ready to present and all of these exciting things. Because right now I think kids are searching for things and they're searching for people to connect with and they're searching for, you know, taking themselves on and, and new things in their life. And so now through the Suits, Stilettos and Lipstick Foundation, we are going to be launching a mentorship program and provide it to children in need. It is very exciting. We've been dreaming about this for a couple of years and we have done some components of the, the mentorship program. In fact, in March, we delivered our pilot to the Boys and Girls mm -hmm. Club and that was so exciting. We talked about um, Women's International Month and what it means to be empowered and to have a voice, but those kids, I mean, they just blew me away, the, the way they articulated what they felt about empowerment and what they would see in the world. And, you know, when we, when we look at what kids are all about and what they, their potential is, you know, how could we not want to be part of that and supporting them in growing up to be successful young adults and, and adults. So we're very excited about that program. I think this is going to be our signature program of all times, honestly, because that mentorship program will be delivered for kids initially, but eventually we will take it um, one notch up to women also in, in the, our communities. Um, so the whole platform, the whole template for this uh, amazing program that we're creating is all about building re resiliency and leadership skills. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think those two ingredients make up a successful life anyway. So we're very thrilled about that. Yep, mentorship. So, it is a gift that keeps on giving. Absolutely. Um, for your legacy and for generations to come, for sure. Absolutely. Cool. Are you ready? Yes. We have to have boom. A, boom. Yes. What's Drum new roll. and great in your world? New and new and great in my world is that because of the mentorship program, uh, we are creating a 
a very cool event on October 23rd to help us fundraise for our mentorship program, our toy drive, and all of the programs under Project Kids, which we're very excited about. But this event is going to be very sassy and very new and very innovative. And uh, we're, we're just thrilled because, you know, we've had to pivot through COVID-19 on every single level, including how we fundraise and how we connect and how we reach out to our communities. So this is our very first really big fundraiser um, to being done on virtual, um, on, on virtual. Uh, we're gonna be using Zoom and it's called Women Whiskey and Men in the Hot Seat. Whoop, whoop. What a cool name, if I should say so myself, <laughs> because, uh, and men and women are invited. It's, uh, everyone is invited to be part of it. What we're gonna be doing is we're gonna be doing the whiskey tasting. And we just found out that our sponsors are in Wales and they are going to be moderating from Wales. That's awesome. Tasting. So how cool is that? And there are two women that own this whiskey, uh, I guess, I don't know if you call it a distillery or I'm not sure exactly what whiskey is. It's distilled. So, is it distilled? Yeah. Oh, so they own the distillery, I believe. And so they're woman power all the way from Wales coming to us into our living rooms and into our homes to help us understand the different tastes of whiskey. And then Yvonne, you get to do, you know what? I get to do Men in the Hot Seat. Oh, yes. I love Men in the Hot Seat. And listen, I saw some of the pictures of the candidates who might be in my hot seat. I'm not sure I'll be able to focus. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I, I am super excited. Tell them what Men in the Hot Seat is all so about. So Men in the Hot Seat is a panel where we take a few brave gentlemen and we sit them up on a panel and my job is to ask them the questions that everybody wants to know about men, about relationships, about their thoughts on women, about how they see the world, but we're afraid to ask. So I have the privilege of getting them up there and making them sweat a little bit, but it's a good time. It's yeah. for a good cause. It's a very good cause. It's, it's fun. It's, uh, I think enlightening. We get to find out how men think about women and how they interact with women. Uh, it's very fun. It's lighthearted, uh, but very informational. And of course, we get to meet some awesome men in our community. Mm -hmm. And now that we're doing this uh, virtually, men can come uh, from all walks of life, from all geographical location. So it's not just our local community folks. So super excited about that. And of course, you can attend from wherever you're at because we are on Zoom. So it will be so awesome. So get ready. And the cool part about the, the whiskey tasting is that once you sign up, you'll be able to pick up or we can ship out um, your kit for you to test those yummy whiskeys. So I don't know. Are you a whiskey taster? A whiskey drinker? I um, I don't think I am, but I am certainly willing to give it a shot. Okay. <laughs> Pun intended, a shot of whiskey. A shot of whiskey. We may 
find out we like it more than we even know. So. Yep, exactly. And isn't seating limited for this? So when the tickets go up, yeah, I want to grab them. Yeah, you better grab them, even though it's virtual. And obviously, we don't have a seating capacity. We do have a, an internet capacity because we want to make sure that you have a wonderful experience. So we don't want to have a so many people that we cannot, you know, handle the the amount of people. So we want you to have a a wonderful experience. And you know what? A couple of the women that are uh, already anxiously awaiting for the registration button to be uh, put up on our website have suggested that we promote um, for people to have watch parties and oh. you, you know have have a few ladies over to your house and everybody signs up because it's a fundraiser so we don't want to cheat the system ladies and gentlemen but you know you pay for the fundraiser plus you need to get the kit and so you each person would have their own kit and then they can do it together and have a, a wonderful evening you know and you could still social distance because you can have you know five or under ten people in depending on your space, you can social distance there and, mm -hmm. and have a, a little bit of a, a fun time with your girls. So isn't that awesome? I think that I'm excited. I'm excited too. I, I think I might even do that in my house. I may have <laughs> ladies over. I think it would be a lot of fun. So remember, October 23rd, and it's going to be from 7 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. So make sure you uh, lock that in, put that in your save the dates. And we will be sending information out very soon, or you can go to sslwomen.org within the next couple of days, probably by the end of this week for sure, you will be able to purchase your tickets. So Women, Whiskey, and Men in the Hot Seat, October 23rd. Oh my gosh, it's going to be so much fun. I can't wait. So we'll see you there. All right, here we go. This is a uh, very, very, very serious topic we have a lot to share with you about this. This is um, the truth about grief and loss. And, you know, there is no right response to death. You, this is a, a quote from Joan Connor. You make it up as you go along. And honestly, when I read that quote, that definitely hit home for me because, you know, you and I, we've gone through a lot in the past few years. We've lost mm -hmm. a lot of um, loved ones, a lot of friends, and of course, as many of you know, I also lost my husband two and a half years ago. So it's been not just on a professional side, but on the personal side, uh, what we are here about to share with you, um, we definitely have experienced that for sure. Um, so what are the, the types of uh, losses that you grieve? Well, you grieve friends, you grieve the loss of family, of course, and, uh, and pets. You know, how many people, Yvonne, I'm sure you have had uh, patients that have come because they've lost a pet. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, because a pet is a, a family member. Mm -hmm. But you could also grieve losing a job or even selling your family home. Believe it or not, there's a lot of emotionality attached to, you know, transitioning to moving um, to relocating, and also the loss of safety after a trauma. Mm -hmm. You grieve that when, you know, you, you feel safe and then all of a sudden that's taken away from you. You grieve that. 
you know, I've even heard from politicians when they get, you know, they get that position where then now they have to have a bodyguard, that loss of safety, a feeling like you can move around, that's also very hurtful. And, and it, it feels like you're grieving it, like you're actually going through a loss. Or if you lost a, a baby in a miscarriage, no matter whether you were, you know, two months pregnant or two weeks pregnant or mm -hmm. pregnant, it, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. They, that is, you know, a lot of pain. Obviously, the, the closer to delivery, the harder it is um, for you. And then, of course, there's retirement when you leave your job and so many of you out there that have retired know what I'm talking about when you feel like you've lost a sense of purpose. Um, or what about if you lose your cherished dreams? You, you know, you've, ha you've been dreaming about a job or a business to create and then all of a sudden, like through COVID, you lose uh, your business. You know, that's very painful. And and we think about loss when someone has passed away, but loss and grieving begins the moment someone is diagnosed. Yes. So you start experiencing that grief and loss, like they're, again, ma making uh, that, um, I'm sorry, that's not what I meant to say. I lost my train of thought completely <laughs> on that. No, but, you know, when someone is diagnosed with a, uh, um, cancer and you had plans with your husband or your wife to you know go travel the world and all of a sudden now you're starting treatments that sense of loss right there of you know your dreams that is very painful as well absolutely so you can lose people through death divorce or if someone moves away um you certainly uh, now that we're going through COVID and quarantining and social distancing, there's a big loss, sense of loss there too. You know, I, I think about this for myself personally. Um, I have not been able to see my daughter or my grandsons for nine months. Um, I saw them in January. They live in New York. We were planning to see each other in February. That didn't happen. And then that was okay because we said, okay, we'll see each other in April. Well, April came and went, and we were right in the middle of the pandemic, so I could not go there. And uh, so here we are, now September, I still have not seen them. So great sense of loss and pain when you are not connecting and seeing the people that you love, even if they're alive, like right now when we're social distancing. So grief and loss comes in many shapes and sizes, and it looks differently for every one of us. How you experience loss, Iman, is different than how I experience loss. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's a reason why today's show is so important, is to really get that message out to everybody and normalize their own way in which they experience grief and loss. You know, yeah. Because so many people have a very strong opinion on how it should be, quote unquote, done. But the reality is, that that's not true for everyone. No. And in fact, grief, we think about grief as sadness, but mm -hmm. grief looks like different things for different folks. 
You could be grieving and feeling mad and angry, and, or you could be in shock, or you could be yearning, or you can feel guilt. Um, you can feel confusion or anxiety. You might have panic. You may be fearful. Mm -hmm. um, you may be in denial. I mean, there's so many different ways you can feel this thing. And it's still grief. It's, it's that emotion that you don't even understand many times. And we know that it's definitely not linear because it almost meshes from one thing to the next. It like, it's an infusion, like it rolls from sadness to anger and back to sadness and then into guilt and, and into anxiety. It's, it's just very um, different for everyone. And even for yourself, it's different because, you know, when I first lost my husband, I thought I never have experienced such pain like this in my life. Um, and I still, two and a half years later, know that to be true. But through those two and a half years, I have gone from, you know, pain to being pissed off to mm -hmm. all of those emotions, to yearning, to, you know, being guilty, feeling guilty like I didn't do enough, th those kinds of things. Um, and it comes and goes all the time. Absolutely. Including denial. The feeling of denial. I think I shared with you once that a year, at least a year after my mentor and dear friend had passed away from cancer, I got up in the morning, I was walking my daughter to school, and I was so excited to call him on the way home, because I always called him when I was walking home from dropping her off, and it wasn't until I started walking back and picked up my phone to call him before I really realized, oh wait, I can't call him. Mm -hmm. You know, so we, and that was over a year later. Yeah. And you know, the other thing is that everybody not only experiences grief differently, but how they show and express grief is also different. Absolutely. You know, some people write or speak up on it. Like I started writing and blogging after my husband passed um, because that was, cathartic for me. That was important that I did that. Um, but other people want to just be quiet and they want to be silent and they don't want anyone, you know, telling them how they should feel. So they, you know, pretty much retreat and stay, you know, put. You know, I, I feel like that almost describes the two of us. Remember, we've talked about before how you are very much more vocal with grief and I was very much more quiet with it. Very much so. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? There's no right or wrong. That's really the, mm -hmm. the, the point here is that there is no right or wrong. It's what's right for you. And you should not allow anyone to tell you how you should grieve. I remember people telling me, you know, oh, you shouldn't be out. Well, why? Why shouldn't I be out? Well, because you should be at home crying. Well, do you know how I felt or how I feel when I'm at home? Maybe I am crying. Maybe I'm laughing. Maybe I'm watching a comedy show. It doesn't matter. My feelings are my feelings. And how I handle my feelings, it's my business, not yours. Um, you know, so it's really important that we honor that and we respect how people grieve because it does not look like the same thing for everyone. Right. It's not a cookie cutter approach to grieving. Uh, and you're entitled and 
to, to feel what you feel when you want to feel it and act the way you want to. Um, you want to talk about the five stages of grief, Yvonne? Yeah, so although, you know, everybody experiences feelings differently or the process differently, there are generally five stages that the majority of us go through. And what we have to remember, too, is that it's this is not just when we talk about grief, remember how we opened up by saying we can feel a loss with all these different areas in our life. So these five stages actually apply to any type of loss. Um, but Elizabeth Kubler-Ross identified five stages of grief. And originally, she believed that these stages were linear. You went from one to the other, to the next, to the next, and they were in an order. What we have discovered you know, a lot more recently is that grief is not linear because honestly, emotions aren't linear. So you can, sometimes grief can be best explained as a roller coaster ride of emotions. Sometimes we're really high and okay, and sometimes we're really low and not okay, and sometimes we're lingering in this limbo in between. So the first stage is denial. And this is just, we are in denial. This isn't happening, this can't be happening. Why is this happening to me? Um, you know, and this is like sometimes when you're with someone and you get that that diagnosis of some type of terminal illness or a significant illness, people oftentimes launch, you know, right into this isn't happening. You know, everything will be okay. And it's very overwhelming for people. I happened to be on a hospice unit once when my mentor was in hospice and met this woman and her mother, who was a hundred and like five years old, I mean, God love this lady. The, the daughter was in denial. She said, no, I just haven't had enough time yet with her. You know, so it, so it can occur when we're diagnosed with something or at the beginning of a divorce or when the pink slips come out for a job, but it can also start too when we actually lose someone. Anger is the next stage. And this is, we're just pissed. We're mad at the universe, we're mad at God, we're mad at everyone. Sometimes we're even mad at the person who's gone because we feel abandoned by them. So anger can be aimed at inanimate objects, complete strangers, friends or family. I mean, when my dad passed, I remember yelling at my husband at dinner because I didn't like the seasoning he put on the salmon for dinner. Yeah. It no, doesn't make sense, but at the time it really did. You know, so that anger can come out. Uh, yeah, you know, interestingly enough, when um, after my husband passed, I was so angry at God, and so many people become angry at God if you're a believer. I mean, so mad that I literally got dressed to go to church to go tell him off. <laughs> I did. I did. I. I, I remember shaved. that. Do you remember that? I shaved that with you, right? Yeah. I got dressed and went, I'm like, I'm not even going to talk to you from here. I am going to your house. Your house. And I am going to just tell you a piece of my mind. And that's how angry, and it sounds funny now, but I was pissed. You know, mm -hmm. this wasn't supposed to happen to me. And, and, and my husband was young. How dare you? You know, so... Yeah, that anger can come out in all different ways. Oh, a thousand percent. So bargaining is another stage. And this is a normal reaction to feelings of helplessness and vulnerability. 
and we usually start bargaining in order to gain control. So this is, you know, if only I do this, if only he does that, we, you know, we're, we're making deals here. We're trying to put ourselves out there and make a deal so that something that might be inevitable doesn't happen. You know, you see a lot of bargaining in divorce situations. You know, if I change careers, if I do this, will you not leave me? Mm -hmm. right? um, if you're a believer as well, a lot of people bargain with God. You know, I will do this if you don't take this person from me. Mm -hmm. okay. So depression, I think, you know, probably is pretty obvious for people going through grief that it is can be a sadness that maybe you have never experienced before. In, in your life and it can actually turn into physical pain when we have depression and we'll talk about that in a little bit but it is it is a sadness and a and a darkness that i think most people it, it often scares people this level of depression when we go through loss well the, this depression there's so many different uh pieces of this depression because first of all like if it's someone that you live with your husband wife uh, mother you know you most of the time you've commingled right financially and all that so you're dealing with the depression of that separation of the financial piece and you're dealing with the separation of the emotional physical piece with that person so all of that together it's like an explosion i remember mm -hmm. I remember, and I still, to this day, two and a half years later, feeling this pain in my heart. The, the pain, the physical pain, uh, was so overwhelming for me um, because it, it, it's overwhelming just to think of all the pieces now without that person. Um, so depression um, is definitely one of the, the emotions that I think most people will feel. Um, throughout the whole entire time. Sorry, my our office phone is ringing now, sorry. Did you hear that? I did. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's you know, awesome, actually. You know what? This is all live, so. Yep. I, you can't make this stuff up, even if you tried. This is real life. This We're here to bring you the real life. Exactly. Real life experiences. Which, you know, this is all fine. I, I love when little faux pas happen because you know, <laughs> we're not, it's our imperfect, uh, our perfect imperfections, right? Exactly. And, and that's what we talk about every single day with our patients. It's like, we are just delivering a message. We're not, you know, uh, professional anything other than professional therapists that really are here to deliver information so people can live the best life that they could live. But the technology piece, that's not our gig. No. <laughs> we're, just we're just doing our best with that. And yeah, so, don't ever leave us in charge of the technology. Yeah, and just please don't judge us because we're doing our best. Um, you have one more? I'm oh, yes. That's okay. We digress. We were, we were so, interrupted by the phone. Sorry. So the, the last stage is acceptance. And sometimes people have a dif difficulty with this one because this, a level of acceptance does not mean, woohoo, the person does is gone. Woohoo, I lost my job. You know, it, it doesn't mean that. 
it means that we have reached a place where we are no longer experiencing you know a lot of denial or other like really strong emotions although we still can have sadness and miss somebody or miss something that we have lost but we are now saying to ourselves it's okay for me to start taking steps forward in my life it's okay for me to continue living and to move on you know in in my own dreams in my own world right now but reaching this stage of grieving is not a gift afforded to everyone some people do not reach a level of acceptance and we're going to talk about that um but it, it also remember it does not mean people say well if i accept that he's gone then i'm it's like it's okay that i don't have him anymore it's not that it's okay but it's okay that you are still living and that you get to take some steps in your life yeah absolutely you know um, I remember this coming up a lot for me because I, I don't think I will ever accept that, that John is gone, but mm -hmm. I certainly have been able to move forward, not to move on. And I talk about moving forward versus moving on because when you move on, I think it, it feels like you were leaving that person behind as mm -hmm. opposed to taking them with you. I will never leave John behind because I am who I am because of him as well, because we were together for 25 years. So I can't just you know forget that he was part of my life, nor do I ever want to. Um, so I have accepted that he's gone because I have no choice, obviously but I've also refused to stay stuck. And we're gonna talk a lot about that when we get into our tips on not getting stuck. Um, so oftentimes I see people, hear people talk about being stuck for 15, 20 years where they cannot function because they have not accepted the passing of their loved one, or even if it was a divorce, they have not accepted it yeah you know so it's it's really um a tough one um i want to talk about the broken heart syndrome because this happens to mainly women and it's a real condition where you actually feel like you're having a heart attack like your heart hurts and that's because when your body goes into a shock um, when into a shocking event, if it's experiencing a shocking event, uh, your body is filled with stress hormones, which makes it feel like you're having a heart attack or a mm -hmm. panic attack. And so the broken heart syndrome really exists. I know that I experienced it. I know I did. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm actually working with a client who lost her husband suddenly like just as the beginning of COVID started from a, a non-COVID related uh, situation, he passed. And I actually told her that I believe she had broken heart syndrome, but I needed her to go to a cardiologist and rule out anything actually physical um, just to be safe, you know, because she was having such significant chest pains at times and we wanted to make sure but the cardiologist you know came in after running all kinds of tests and said to her listen i believe that you are suffering from broken heart syndrome right now and it's a real physical condition 
It, it is. The good news is that most people, do, it's very rare that you would die from broken right. heart syndrome. Um, you will recover, you know, within a few weeks to a, a few months. So, you know, it's scary, as, as scary as it is, it, it's not, you know, fatal. It's just right. your body reacting to the hormones, but it is a physical reaction that you may experience. Yeah, and and that's and the reason it is is because your brain registers the emotional pain of heartbreak in the same way it registers physical pain, which is why you feel like your heartbreak is actually causing a physical pain. So it's a it's the same sensor in the brain. The brain doesn't know the difference sometimes between physical and emotional loss. Which, by the way, uh, just as a side note, hypnosis is great for physical pain mm -hmm. and great for emotional pain, uh, including the heartbreak syndrome. Um, so if you are experiencing that, it, yoga will also do similar things or meditation because it's helping you de-stress your body. And when you de-stress your body, you release that pain. Mm -hmm. so, um, uh, depression and grief, you know, there's not really um, a definition in our DSM-5, which is what we use to uh, identify mental health disorders for bereavement, but there's certainly, it looks like depression, right? So we have to talk about the difference between grief and depression and know that it is different. It, it Because like I said at the earlier part of the show, Grief can show up in many different ways. So mm -hmm. it's not just in that sadness. The sadness present in grief is typically related to the loss of death. Depression is characterized by a general sense of worthlessness and despair and lack of joy, though. Symptoms of grief may improve on their own with time, but sometimes you do need to go and seek professional help. Um, so be, you know, be on the lookout for that. Um, I think, uh, Yvonne, the, the last part of the show, I really want to focus on just talking about some of the truths and the myths um, yeah. about uh, grief and loss, and then we'll give everyone some tips that they can, you know, make sure that they, um, they have in their, on, on their fingertips so that they can help themselves get out of this uh, horrible pain that exists when you lose someone. Yeah, so, so you want to start with the first one? Yeah, we'll throw out some typical myths that we hear all the time. So myth number one, the pain will go away faster if you just ignore it. Wrong. Wrong, right? So trying to ignore your pain or keeping it from, you know, surfacing will actually make it worse in the long run because you're, you're stuffing it. You're not actively dealing with the pain. So really the best thing that you can do is allow yourself to feel the grief as it comes over you. You know, resisting this is only going to prolong the process of healing. Yeah, exactly. And here's another one. It's important to be strong in the face of loss. Wrong. Wrong. Uh, feeling sad and frightened or lonely, it's a normal reaction you have to allow yourself to feel this way. And that starts from the moment of a diagnosis or the moment you find out that someone is moving away, whether you're, you know, someone asked you for a divorce, or even if you ask for the divorce because you know that the relationship is not going anywhere. 
you are going to feel these feelings. Allow yourself to feel them. Crying doesn't mean that you're weak. Uh, in exactly. fact, I say that crying says that you're strong because you're willing to face your emotions. And it is the strong people that face their emotions. If mm -hmm. you stuff it and you hold on to it, that weakens you, honestly. So allow yourself to let it go and be able to feel what you feel and, and know that it's normal for you to feel these feelings. Absolutely. If you don't cry, it means you aren't sorry about the loss. Oh my goodness. Wrong. Wrong. Okay. So crying is definitely a normal response to sadness, of course, but it's not the only one. So just because someone doesn't cry doesn't mean that they don't feel the pain as deeply as other people. They just express it differently. So there are, I mean, I'm definitely a crier and I know you're a crier for sure, you know, but there are some things that I've grieved where I haven't cried, but have felt pain, you know, and then there are other things that I've grieved that that's all I've done is cry. So it, you can have different experiences for different things that you're grieving. And so let's, you know, let's keep this place in no judgment zone. If someone's not crying because of a loss, that doesn't mean they're not experiencing the loss. And by the way, they may be crying at home with, when you're not around because right. not everybody shows their emotions in, in public. So again, let's stay out of the judgment zone and let people grieve the way they need to grieve. Here's another one. Grieving should last only two months. Well, who said that? <laughs> There's no Just time. Just getting started, baby. Yeah. Yeah, or a year or two years. There is no time limit on grieving. I would say though, if it's past a year and you're not being able to function, mm -hmm. then I say go and seek professional help because maybe you're being triggered for other reasons and it's all messed up in there. You know, it's all enmeshed. So you definitely want to keep an eye out for it and it all depends on how you're grieving. If you're grieving really hard for two months, um, and then on the third month, you're you know not grieving as hard, but you're still grieving, that's okay. Again, there's no judgment on when or how, but um, you know, just be on the lookout that if it's so severe that you cannot function, then you really do need to seek professional help. Yeah, absolutely. And also take into consideration other circumstances. When my dad passed, my mom had an aneurysm the very next day yeah. and it took her, so she did live everyone, just so you know, but um, it took her a good six months of healing physically through that aneurysm bursting that she really didn't even begin to grieve until she was physically feeling better. And so then she was worried that she was in stuck or frozen grief. And I'm like, no, mom, for six months, your brain and your body had to function just to heal itself. And so now sometimes is when your grieving begins. So grief also doesn't just start as soon as we get a message about loss. It can, absolutely. But sometimes there are other things that prolong the beginning. Well, people also go into shock. So sometimes yeah. you're, you're not even capable of grieving at that moment because of the shock factor. Um, so you have to get yourself 
into a place where you can even acknowledge what has happened. You know, mm -hmm. something has happened, for example, um, a fatal car crash where it takes somebody's life right there and then. Yeah. Th those are very difficult to deal with um, right away. So it may be that you are stone-faced and not even feeling the emotions. So mm -hmm. don't feel guilty about that. Do not feel guilty about not feeling the emotions. I had a, a couple of patients, not just one, say to me, you know, shouldn't I be feeling this right now? I should be feeling this. Just like your mom said to you, I, I, I feel guilty. I should be, you know, ups, more upset that I lost my husband or my daughter or, or whoever. And I, I always say, don't judge yourself. Don't allow yeah. anybody to judge you and don't judge yourself. Just allow the emotions to flow. So this last myth is one of my favorites, <clears throat> that moving on with your life means forgetting about your loss. Wrong. How, how do you forget about someone? You know, I explain this to patients all the time. I said, when somebody dies, we don't say, oh, thank God, because I was really tired of loving them. Now I don't have to love them anymore. Like, that doesn't make sense. So moving on means that you've accepted your loss, but it's not the same thing as forgetting. You know, we move on all the time and we keep the memory of someone or something as an important part of who we are. You know, we keep items in our home of that person. I have my dad's uh, Boston Red Sox, you know, t-shirt and hat and his cup because that was a very important, you know, part of his world was baseball. So. I haven't forgotten him, but you know, we have certainly moved forward in my life. So and I love that you used the word forward, like I use forward, and I, and I spoke about that as well. It's like it's you're not moving on, you're moving forward, you're not staying stuck. Your loved one would not want you to stay stuck. Mm -hmm. if, if someone loves you, they want you to be happy. You know, when I first, um, shared with folks that I was going to start dating again or that I started dating again. You know, that was mixed emotions for some folks. You know, certainly I had mixed emotions, but they they compiled it with uh, with saying things like, you shouldn't be dating already. You know, well, after I, you know, took a step back and thought about that, I was like, wait, why are you telling me when I'm ready to date? <laughs> You know, so people will judge you on these things where people that don't love you or care about you will judge you on these things. People that love and care about you want your happiness. I remember sharing it with you, Yvonne, when I started, when I thought about starting to date and I shared it with Aina and, and a few uh, ladies that are so important, Heidi Dennis, um, uh, rest her soul now, Heidi has also left us. But when I shared it with these ladies, all of you said to me, we're so happy that you are moving forward. We're so happy that you're trying to find happiness again, you know, yeah. because you knew how much pain I was in. Mm -hmm. And so the folks that asked me or that judged me, I don't find them to be my friends anymore. They are not my friends. I, I immediately discarded those friendships because <clears throat> anybody that has um, something to say about your happiness and, and has a judgment on your happiness, 
is not a friend. I remember Ina saying, well, I didn't realize that there was a timeline on grieving and that you needed to adhere to that timeline. Yeah, exactly. you that? Yes, I do. Yeah, and that was awesome. When she said that, that freed me from, uh, you know, judging myself and from feeling like I was almost being a traitor to John. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't want to feel that way. And um, you and, you know, the, the people closest to me, my mom, when I told my mom, she was thrilled. She, and she adored my husband. So don't get me wrong. She adored my husband, um, my late husband, but she said, I want you to be happy. And that's, that's the important thing. You want people to be happy if you love them. Yes. So, you know, let's uh, recap real fast. Some of the tips that we've talked about, because some of these we've already mentioned, a few we're going to add to on, on steps that you can do to help the grieving process. So why don't you start? Yeah, so understand that the grieving process will be unique to you. The way you experience your emotions, the way you demonstrate your emotions, the timeline of your grief will be different from everybody else's around you. It's not meant to be the same. And here we go. Number two, seek face-to-face -face support from people who care about you. And I'm saying face-to-face -face support, but that could be Zoom or virtual in these times of COVID. So whatever you need to do, but and don't just, you know, read books, which are really important. I read a lot of books about grief and loss, but find connections, very mm -hmm. important. Consider joining a support group if you need to. Again, there's a lot of virtual ones out there now. And of course, seek therapy. And Yvonne and myself, we're doing uh, telehealth and most therapists are doing telehealth. So you don't have to worry about being exposed or getting out. You can still do this from the comfort of your home. Um, so seek help. Absolutely. Acknowledge your pain. Remember, stuffing emotions will only make it worse. So in whatever way that you acknowledge your pain by, you know, speaking out loud to people or just allowing the pain to come when it comes in its waves will be far more beneficial to you than trying to stuff your emotions. And here we go. Number four, accept that you can be triggered with other things when you are so emotional, right? So mm -hmm. let's say your feelings get hurt because a friend said something. You could be triggered very easily. You're very sensitive. So be aware of that and be mindful that you might be triggered by many different events or different emotions. And the way you feel those emotions may look different. You may be uh, yelling at someone because you were triggered, for example. Mm -hmm. So just be mindful that this can happen. Number five, support yourself emotionally by taking care of yourself physically. Continue to get up in the morning and eat and move and surround yourself with people who love and care about you. You know, go for that walk. You know, we, we heal ourselves emotionally the, by taking care of our body and we heal ourselves physically by taking care of our emotions. We have to remember they are connected. So taking care of one will certainly support you in taking care of the other. And we talked about this, this is number six, to recognize the difference between grieving 
and grief and depression. Remember, you may be grieving and it may look like anger. It may look like uh, sadness. It may look like denial. It may look like all different emotions, not necessarily depression. And it's important that you know the difference because when you, if you're clinically depressed, then that's a different type of treatment than if you were grieving and, and just going through the emotions of grief and loss. So mm -hmm. be very aware of the differences. Number seven, live in gratitude. We know that sometimes the pain of a loss is very, very significant. And sometimes it's hard to find things to be grateful for. But, you know, honestly, we get to a point where we can start to see that there are still very beautiful things in life. You know, whether it's snuggling with a grandchild or seeing a flower or a rainbow, there is always, always something to be grateful for. I think that number seven is my favorite. Yeah, me too. Living that one made my eyes well up. Yeah. You know, and this we need to do every single day. We talk about living in gratitude all the time because that really is the key to being uh, happy in life. Um, because life is going to happen to all of us and stuff happens. Uh, unfortunately, bad stuff happens to mm -hmm. all of us. And that living in gratitude reminds us of the things that we should be thankful for. So um, that's a really good one. Number eight, make time to acknowledge your emotions as they arise. Um, you know, don't judge yourself. You know, just allow yourself to feel what you feel. There's no judgment it's not good or bad it's it, it is what it is it's what Ina says what is so is so just just mm -hmm. acknowledge what is so what be present to the emotions you know one of the tricks that I have for myself and that I teach my my patients is to time their pity parties so if you're having a pity party and you're having a really bad day so that you don't stay stuck in it you know, time it, put a timer on, ask Google to remind you a half an hour from now to, you know, say time is up. Whatever it takes, set your alarm on your cell phone, whatever it takes so that you can get out of it, but let yourself feel it and don't, you know, deny that, that you're feeling what you're feeling. But I, I, I love um, being able to say, okay, this is when I'm going to feel my, mm -hmm. my, my emotions and then I'm moving on and moving forward. Don't stay there too long because that just will make you spiral downward. Yeah, which takes us right into number nine, which is knowing your limits and taking a break from your grief. You can say to your grief, hey, you know what? Right now I'm going to watch this comedy because I feel like that's what I need and then I'll be back. So take a break sometimes. You know, don't, and especially I think is true, don't let people tell you that you should still be feeling sad, you know, and that it's not okay for you to experience hope and love and happiness. I mean, the patient that I'm working with, she'll say to me in session, right now I need a grief break. And she'll tell me a hilarious story, you know, about her deceased oh. husband. And it's, it's great. I mean, and the stories are so funny. We're both dying you know, from laughter. So it's okay to take a break. You don't have to be in, in you know, quote unquote, grief 24 seven. In grief mode, huh? 24 grief mode, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to take a break. 
it's okay to take a break. We, we see people even in funerals, right? Laughing and telling jokes. Mm -hmm. You can't stay in that sadness for so long that you can't see hope. And, and that's really the trick is to make sure you come out for a breath of fresh air, you know, surround yourself with people that will make you laugh. And there'll be plenty of times, I guarantee, where you will not be able to get out of it. So then you go with that, you lean into that. But right. the moment that you can uh, get out of it and, and, and breathe for a minute, do so. It's very important. And 10 is another one of my favorites, and it's our last one for, for um, the segment. It's giving back to others. You know, volunteer, do something that's purposeful. Feel yourself getting out of your own head. You know, push yourself to get out of your own head. Because, you know, sometimes when we're grieving, we get stuck in there. So if you start thinking about a, a passion that you have or a, a population that you want to work with or an organization that you've always wanted to sign up for to volunteer, this is the time to do it. Do it right away. You occupy your, your mind and your heart with things that are, you know, fulfilling, that fill your heart. And if it's something that will honor the person that you've lost, do that because you'll do it up in their name and that will help you heal as well. But find ways that, you know, fulfill you and make you feel whole. And again, you know, sometimes you're not ready when this, you know, happens at the beginning, but maybe down the road you are. So know yourself, get to understand, you know, the, your body and your emotions and make sure that you're tuned in and that you're leaning into it. But get out there and do some good stuff for others. That will yeah. definitely help you with the healing process. Absolutely. I also tell clients too that sometimes that giving back to others, maybe your partner had really amazing work suits and now maybe you're donating to someone those work suits to somebody who, you know, is going through a transition in their life and needs a suit for an interview. You know, I mean, obviously we're not letting go of those things before we're ready, but at, at some point it might be even letting go of some of their belongings that will do good in the lives of others. So it can look it different. Help with the healing process, knowing yeah. that you've done something good for someone else. Well, I know that we're at the top of our hour and ready to end it. So I guess we'll see you next time. Make sure that you're sharing our podcast with everyone you meet because somebody out there needs this information. We always say you never want to keep this stuff to yourself because people may not talk about what they're going, going through, what they're experiencing, but so oftentimes when you share something with them, you have really made a difference in their life. So please help us share this. Make sure you're commenting on our podcast and we will see you at the next one. Absolutely. Wait, we got to put on our lipstick. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Hello. What's the name of this show? The, the, the name of the show is The Lipstick Attitude. And we are here getting ready to put on our war paint. Remember, you're strong, you're resilient.
you can do this. Put on your lipstick attitude, no matter what, ladies, no matter what. Absolutely. Until next time, have a sassy day. Have a sassy day. Bye.